Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Words matter. How you speak about what you do, it matters. It matters to your potential client. It's how they're going to connect with you. And your message is really like one of the hardest working employees in your business. It is there 24-7 a day. When somebody lands on your website at midnight, it's your message that makes them stick around and click around. So always remember that your words matter and it's worth putting the effort in to make sure that they're remembered and that they resonate so that you can serve more people. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week to date. Now, if you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with John Christian Jervet of Blackpoint Standard Consulting and with Stefano Mastriagiacomo of the Team Alignment Company, you're in for a treat. Go check them out, but only after you've listened to today's conversation. I'm really excited today to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest, Dr. Michelle Mazur, who works with brilliant business owners who are shaking things up but having trouble talking about it. She combines the tools of successful social movements with the qualitative research skills she learned in her communications PhD to help them craft their powerful, captivating message. She's the author of The Three Word Rebellion and has been featured in Fast Company, Entrepreneur and Inc. She knows that speaking about what you do in a clear and captivating way is the key to reaching the people you could help the most and making more money in your business. In our conversation today, Michelle talked to me about client journeys and the conversations that we need to have with our clients. We talked about an intense focus on your audience to guide your communication. And of course, we talked about how words really do matter. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Dr. Michelle Mazur. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Seattle in Washington in the United States, Dr. Michelle Mazur, who's a communication consultant for rebellious entrepreneurs and thought leaders, and she's also host of the Rebel Uprising podcast. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Michelle. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you. Lacey Boggs, who was our guest on episode 359 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, Michelle. So big hello to Lacey. Thank you, Lacey. I adore her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now you've got something in common with Lacey. She, she's a, a writer as well and content creator. And you're also author of the book, The Three Word Rebellion, which essentially is a framework that... Uh, helps people really craft a compelling message in three words. So I'm, I'm really keen to dig further into that, but also around all the communication uh, aspects and the marketing philosophies that you have. But before we start talking about all those things, what, what is it that drives you, Michelle? Mm, from a very young age, I had this inkling that communication can change the world. And really, that's probably the why behind my business. But 
why I do what I do and why I do it for who I serve is that I see so many like amazing business owners who are fantastic at what they do, but they suck at marketing and they don't know how to talk about what it is they do to, you know, that, so that people are interested in it. And so they get like, drowned out by all of like the celebrity entrepreneur coaches who promise big things, but don't deliver. And really these people are the real deal. So I am here to help them communicate how they can serve and how they can change their clients' lives. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. Um, talking about what we do, I mean, it, most of us actually find it hard, or, or I guess maybe it's an introvert's trait, find it hard to talk about ourselves. Uh, even those that are perhaps extroverted and, and like to talk a lot about themselves also often come across, like you say, as um, not all that interesting. So what, what's the first step that we should be thinking about when um, wanting to communicate our message? What is it that we do or how do we help people? Yeah, I think the first thing to think about is not think about yourself and think about your <laughs> people, your audience, your clients that are out there and don't know about you yet. Like thinking about like, what are they thinking about? What are they saying? What are they feeling? What are they doing? So that you can make that connection and start using their words to describe what you do. I think all good communication really comes back to thinking about the person on the receiving end and what they need to hear. We do not do this enough in business, I mm. think. Yeah, that's a, a message that I keep hammering as well. Um, really getting to know your ideal client or if it's a podcast, who's the audience that you're serving? Mm -hmm. um, and I like that that you point out, you know, using their language. I, um, I was speaking to a few people that have given me some ideas around looking at um, what people talk about online, particularly if they're giving negative reviews or negative feedback on books. And, mm -hmm. and that then becomes, okay, there's obviously a gap there because that negative feedback is saying, you know, this is wrong or this is missing. And, and then using those words because now you've got the words to describe the need. Yes, I mean, I just feel like that's so important is to like find those words. And honestly, it's everywhere. You can look at Amazon reviews. If you have an audience, like one of my favorite things to do is just send like a quick three question open-ended survey to my audience to hear what's on their mind. Like, what are they struggling with? Is there anything new I could be helping them with and getting their words? And, and then it's amazing because mm. like when you do that, when you have their words, like your messaging or writing a sales page just becomes so much easier because you know exactly what's on their mind. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Now, you've been talking a lot in, in your recent podcasts and, and blog posts about what you call bro marketing yes. and ethical marketing. So tell us a little bit more about that. What's, what's bro marketing? What do you understand by that? And how is that bad and what's better? Yes. So I define bro marketing as using psychological triggers and hacks. So things like scarcity and authority and social proof to really shut down critical thinking about making a purchasing decision. And instead, basically saying like, I know what's best for you. And what's best for you is to give me all of your money. So here's how I'm going to manipulate you into doing that. And the term bro marketing itself, because I get some flack from my male friends who are like, but women do this too. And it's like, yes, women do do this as well. And really, it's a wink and a nod to the patriarchy, that kind of top down paternalistic idea that I'm gonna, I have to kind of like manipulate you into what's best for you. Otherwise, you won't want it. 
And I mean, it's harmful for a whole host of reasons. I mean, I've seen people spend thousands of dollars on courses that they don't need, or they read things on a website and it makes them feel really bad about themselves. It makes them doubt themselves. It's like they're poking, 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 poking at the pain points and not realizing like the impact that their words have on them. And it's, it's an epidemic, like it's uh, everywhere in online business. And what I really advocate for is ethical marketing and ethical marketing isn't so much like a marketing strategy or philosophy, because honestly, almost any strategy or tactic can be ethical. It's about creating your own personal philosophy, your own personal framework about like, what are my ethical principles, applying that to your messaging and then to your marketing strategy to make sure that you're in, in alignment you're giving people the ability to make a purchasing decision that is best for them. And it's more based on logic and reasoning, empathy, making a real connection and building real relationships instead of what's my fastest path to cash, which is very much a bro marketing mm -hmm. <laughs> outcome. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, the key word you said there, which is is sort of my philosophy, is it's all around the, the relationships. And, and if you start off with the philosophy of, you know, you're going to be in a relationship to people that come on your website and start reading it, that, that already is a relationship. So how can you then take that relationship in a way that serves both that reader and yourself. And, and my philosophy there is give them a lot of information and, and give them a couple of, uh, give them some paths to go down. So there's a whole lot of different customer journeys they could take. One of them obviously is they look at what's there and say, no, this isn't for me. And so they leave. And so my philosophy there is that's perfectly okay. In fact, if they're not a good fit, I want to make it really easy for them to make that decision quickly and leave because then they're not eating up my bandwidth. They're not wasting their time. So when they go and talk to somebody else, they don't think badly of me. Um, and they may even say, wow, that was a good experience, even though that wasn't for me um, and tell somebody else to check me out. Mm. Yeah, well, and I think when you give people a good experience and they decide like, oh, well, you don't really solve the problem that I actually have. But if they have a friend or a colleague who has that problem, mm. they're going to want to talk about you and refer you because you have a relationship with them. You created a positive experience. You made them feel good. And so much of bro marketing, is, it makes us feel shame or guilt mm. or belittling and yeah they're my favorite yeah my favorite ones are the upsells that they, um, you buy something and then immediately you're taken to an upsell page so first of all they're telling you well you spent some money with me but you don't actually have everything you need to solve the problem that you've come here to solve first of all um, and the second thing then is there's a button uh, by the upsell and and the other alternative says something along the lines of no I don't want to improve myself you know so so by you know so they're basically reinforcing the message that if you say no to the upsell you're actually you're actually um, making public that you're not interested in self-development or you're not interested in yeah. growing your business like somehow or... you're a bad person exactly yeah <laughs> Every time I see that, I immediately regret having made the purchase. <laughs> and, and in fact, I have, I have gone to the extent of if there's um, a guarantee, a money back guarantee that I generally will go back and say, can I have my money back without even looking at what, what it was, unless it's so clear that that's what I need. Yeah, well, and that's a really good point, because when we see bro marketing tactics and we fall prey to them, it can create buyer's remorse, like, mm. why did I buy this? How did I fall for this? <laughs> and yeah, I would want my money back, too. <laughs> mm. Yes, I'm going through one, a couple actually right now where um, there's some technical issues that have come up and I'm not getting and I've, I'm fairly new to the services and I'm not getting any response back. So I've put in help requests and said, hey, I'm having these technical issues. Can you 
um, give me some guidance, help me sort them out. Um, and and the pro I'm generally happy with the product if it works, but there, there's technical issues mm -hmm. sort of impacting on how well it's working. Um, and I'm hearing nothing. And I'm I'm immediately, in fact, in one of them, I've gone back and I've said, unless I hear back from you with some suggestions, I would like my money back. Uh, yeah, that's how bad it is. And you think, why Why are people so um, blind to customer service, really? <laughs> Delivering what's promised. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, now, you mentioned, and, and I know you talk about this in some of your recent podcast episodes, and I'm a bit curious to hear your take on this, because one of the things... I was listening to one of your episodes and you talked about bro marketing being, you know, telling the other person, I know what's in your best interest. So buy this product because it's going to deliver the result you're looking to achieve. And you're saying, you know, who are we to tell the customer or the potential customer what's in their best interest? And, but you, at the same time, you were also talking about providing all the information that they can make a decision. And at some point, um, using things like scarcity or some of the other tactics in an ethical way that will help them to take the action that's in their best interest. So where do you find that balance to say, well, you know, I'm not going to tell you patriarchically that this is in your best interest, my product or service is in your best interest. But after you've had conversations with a person, you think, oh, they really need my help. Um, where do you draw that line and, and how do you do that ethically? Yeah, so that's a great question. And really, it goes back to like, what are your ethical principles that are guiding how you market and sell, right? So like, I have three ethical principles that I use in my business, and that's advocate for agency. So basically, I want the client, the audience member to make the best purchasing decision. Like I give them the free will to do that. Mm. Number two is I follow the research. So I'm a former academic PhD in communication. So I'm interested in what does the research say about how effective a certain technique is. So I go, I default back to that. And then finally, I believe words matter. And there's neuroscience research that says that what we say to people actually impacts their brain and also their body. So we feel it. It can change us. And so I run all of my decisions through that kind of, um, of those principles. And I also think about like the risk, like what risk is the client or potential client taking when buying this? So for instance, like something like scarcity, um, countdown timers seem to be a very controversial subject. But let's say you're selling a $30 product, it has a money back guarantee. And I would ask myself, like, how long do I want people to be in indecision yeah, yeah. for, for a $30 product that they can get their money back from? Probably not forever. Like, I don't want to make like a huge logical reasoned argument. So sometimes when we have the deadline, it actually helps us decide, yes, I want this. No, I don't want this. And then even if you buy it, you can return it. So to me, that could be an ethical use of scarcity or even saying like, okay, I only have five coaching spots available. Well, if you actually only have five, tell people that you're giving them information. So like a lot of these psychological principles just kind of exist and we can tell people about them to create that urgency and actually help them decide yeah. where I wouldn't want to use scarcity is like, if you're talking to me to work one-on-one, -on -one, I am not the kind of person that's like, I got to get your credit card on the phone. Like if you say, Oh, I need a day to think about this, to look at my finances and make a decision, take the day. I have no problem with you thinking this through and making sure it's right for you. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And the, the idea of the scarcity, I mean, I think um, it has to be genuine and not used from the point of view of scarcity. So one-on-one -on -one work with each of us has a limit, depending on mm -hmm. how much time we're going to spend on that particular service, right? So for me, um, for me, I can probably take two more um, major marketing clients right now that's not a scarcity tactic that's a fact 
that's where we're positioned right now in terms of the resources we have and the amount of time I want to spend on that. So if you're open about that, that's that's um, not really, in my mind, that's not really using the scarcity tactic. But the other side of it is, and I've, I laugh because I've subscribed to this investment newsletter that that's pretty popular here in Australia and, and very well renowned. And I subscribed back in early December and they sent me an offer saying, you can get our uh, top 10 share recommendations every month. Um, and you know they go through the list of the success that they've had and the growth in those shares. And we predicted this mm -hmm. one that's gone up thousand percent and all this kind of stuff. And they said, normally it's $200 a year, but we will give you the second year for free and we'll discount the first year for 50%. And I thought, mm, that's an interesting offer. And, and so, and then for whatever reason, even though I was attracted to the offer, for whatever reason, I just, I just got overwhelmed or whatever, and I let it sit. And, and it also said, yeah, only for this next three days or something like that. And mm -hmm. so a week or two later, I'm cleaning out emails and I come across the latest um, email from this newsletter and there's the same offer. And it's now um, mid-January, so it's definitely, uh, maybe this was November, it's definitely six or eight weeks later and they're still sending the same offer with that um, mm -hmm with that scarcity limitation on it. So of course I'm I'm watching this as a marketer now and saying, well, I can procrastinate on that decision forever because that offer's always going to be there. Yeah. It's really yeah. helpful if the scarcity is real in some way. <laughs> like if you have a countdown climber and they're not going to get this deal ever again, then make sure they can't get this deal ever again. Maybe there's just a different deal that you could have got, right? Like that would be a more ethical use instead of just being like, no, really, this is always the deal. Always. <laughs> yes. It sort of, it, it loses credibility. And, and I say, well, you know, they're, they're not telling the truth regarding the, uh, offer and when when they're going to terminate that offer and so then I ask myself well are they telling the truth about the results that they're promising are they telling the truth about other offers that that might be available if I'm in the insider circle after I've paid my first kind of thing um, so yeah there's there's all these questions and I, I'm kind of almost inclined now not to not to subscribe yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> okay, now um, the three-word rebellion. So you, you talked about how important communication is and that the words we use when we talk matter. And, and the whole idea of the three-word rebellion is to condense or distill your core message, I guess, into those three words. So talk to us a little bit more about why, why is that so important to have it condensed into such a, uh, a, a small um, sentence or, or, or phrase and, and what, how can we go about doing that? Oh, yes, yes. So the three word rebellion is really this one of a kind message that demands your audience's attention because it's short, it makes them curious, it makes them want to know more. And so just to give you a few examples of like famous three word rebellion. So start with why Simon Sinek or yeah. the five second rule, Mel Robbins or the four hour work week, Tim Ferriss. And what's awesome about those messages is number one, it has nothing to do with the person. It really is a message of the change or the change agent that can help someone else. And why it needs to be so short is us humans, we do not have the brain power to hold on to something that's more than five words. Like I say, a three-word rebellion can be between two to five words. Three is the optimum number because that's the number that helps us make a pattern in our head. So three, it has, it should be around those three words because otherwise people are not going to remember it because it's not as important to them as it is 
to us. So having that really short, memorable message that other people can spread for you is key. Now, the second part of your question about how do you get to a three-word rebellion is I've created this process that like melds together social movement theory and qualitative research. And so it really starts with some free writing because what I know about business owners is we are very up in our heads about our work. Mm -hmm. We're very close to our work. Sometimes we're multi-passionate and we take all of these ideas and form something new. And we have to get what we say what we're thinking out on paper so we can actually deal with it so that we can see the words as like almost like data points to be analyzed to figure out what our message should be. So I've created like some prompts that are stem from social movement theory, like things like what are you rebelling against? What's the change you want to create? And then I just have people like vomit that information out, like mm. don't pay attention to punctuation, do not edit yourself, don't care about spelling, swear, whatever you want to do, this is your time to do it. Just get it out of your head. And then it's going through this process of analyzing those words and looking for turns of phrase that are interesting or verbs that stand out and thinking about like, okay, well, what are my themes that are that's arising from here? What's the villain in this story that I'm telling? And from there, then you can start finding the different turns of phrase or potential three word rebellions that you can then test out with a small subset of your audience. Don't post this stuff on Facebook and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about a new message. What do you think? <laughs> Just don't do it. Don't do that. <laughs> You're going to get some random answers, but instead taking mm. the people who are your ideal clients or past clients and running it by them and seeing if that message makes them curious. Does it resonate? Do they want to know more? Hmm. Yeah, I love it. Um, so we've got make marketing human again, which <laughs> um, is, four, is four words. But if you drop the again, it's kind of the core philosophy anyway. So that's that's three words. Now, I didn't go through an extensive thing like that. But what where that came from was a number of conversations with some people around some of the stories that inspire me and some of the things that I've observed and the work we do and clients that inspire me. And then talking to one person about that, they said, oh, you're all about making marketing human. And I thought, oh, brilliant, that's it. And uh, have been using that ever since. And it's sort of applying across the board in as we do podcasting and, and all the various podcast services. So I just substitute marketing for podcasting because it's all about the relationships and, and that's the focus of, of the work. Well, what I love about that, and I talk about this in the Three Word Rebellion book, is I believe that people's Three Word Rebellions already exist. It's in the conversations you're having with clients, with your colleagues. It's in podcast interviews you've done. It's in blog posts that you've written. Like it's already there, except like it's smashed in with a bunch of other stuff. And so we just mm. need to excavate it. And sometimes it does take that other person to come in and be like, all right, oh, that's interesting. You just said this. This is what you're all about. And you're like, oh, yeah, there it is. It's been there all along. And that's an amazing breakthrough moment for sure. Hmm. All right. Now, um, you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the important thing is focusing on your audience at the outset. And, and really making sure that what you're doing is in their best interest as far as you you know it. And so, of course, you need to get clear about what is in their best interest. How do you craft the message then so that it's actually all about helping your audience and and making sure that your focus is actually their best interest and, the, and their results. Yes, yes. So one of the things I do with my clients is we create their three-word rebellion. And what I found is that once you have a three-word rebellion, it's great, but then it presents another problem. How do I talk about this thing so people buy in so that they understand what yeah. it is? Because I know I faced that when I came up with the three-word rebellion. I was like, this is an awesome idea. Ah, how do I talk about it? 
<laughs> so what I help my clients do is really, I call it a client journey. So what are the stages people need to go through? What conversations do you need to have so that they can make a decision about is like this work is for me. So I'm, I'm a big fan of the customer awareness spectrum. I know it's like breakthrough advertising old school, but I, you know, thinking about like, okay, for the people who don't know me yet, how do I get their attention? What conversations do I need to have so that they get interested? And then from there, how do I talk about the problems they may be having so that they can like diagnose if, if they need what I have to offer. So really it's about thinking about what conversations you have and then turning those conversations into content, into coffee, into marketing, into social media posts. Hmm. Hmm. So, so what, how do you take that step and saying, okay, I've got, um, here's my clients, my dream clients. These are the people that I think I can help and that have a need that I can address. Um, how do we, first of all, understand what are the journeys that they might be on and how we can get involved in the conversations there? Yeah. So when I work with clients, it's more free writing for them because people know more about their right clients than you think they do or they think they do. I don't think people trust themselves enough. And, mm -hmm. and, and also like narrowing in on that specific person because they know who they love to work with for the most part. And they've been talking to these people for a while. So they know what they're saying. So part of my job is like teasing that out of them with using the three word rebellion, like, well, let's define this. Let's talk about who would need this message. What are they going through? Like, I love the concept of like an empathy map and thinking about like, yeah, what are they feeling? What are they doing? What are they saying? Teasing that out and being like, okay, so it seems like, like, I always think about my people. So most people I've noticed in the online world, they go from offer to marketing. It's like, okay, I have an offer. It works. It helps people. I need to market it to get it into the hands of more people. And that's great, hmm. except if you don't know what to say in your marketing. We always skip that messaging step. So for me, it's hmm. about meeting them. Like, you're great at what you do. Like, you're awesome. You get lots of referrals. It's lots of word of mouth marketing. And that's great. But you know, you could be reaching more people. And you've tried marketing. Like, you've taken courses. You've tried it out. And it doesn't work. Well, could it be that you don't know how to talk about it? And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, yeah, I didn't know what to say in order to make this strategy work in order to like, like make an email sequence. Like, I don't know what to say. So for me, that's how I move my people. I'm thinking about like, okay, this is what they have. This is what they're trying. And let's not make them feel bad about it. Like, I mean, it makes sense. You want more people, you market, right? That makes sense. And like, okay, so what's mm. the missing piece and how can I bring them? And some people are like, yeah, you're right. That's messaging is what I need. And other people are like, no, I, don't, I, I think I need to try Instagram. And I'm like, I'll try Instagram then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's the difference between the tactic and what the message mm -hmm. actually is, isn't it? Yes, huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned empathy maps. I love empathy maps. We use them all the time with our clients and our work. And what I do, I don't get people to write. I get people to draw. Um, and I say, let's, let's draw the answers, draw, sketch it up because it kind of gets, gets them out of, gets them more out of their mind in my experience. And, um, and I struggle with that because, uh, I, um, my skills are drawing, um, even my stick men are really cool. so <laughs> I struggle with <laughs> so well I, I always point out it's not about being artistic or anything although some of some of the people I've done this with have been I've been blown away by it's like it is a work of art uh, but the important thing is to get them to um put something on there and and that kind of bypasses the the need for them to articulate something really clearly and then they go into their head trying to i want to wordsmith this and get get the expression right or get the right words and so they can draw something up 
straight out of their mind. And then I say, okay, now that now that you've finished the drawing, explain it to me. Because obviously, you know, there's diagrams with symbols and and things that they've drawn. And depending on how good they are at drawing, some it's of it may be unrecognizable, abstract. like mine. Um, so yeah, yeah, very abstract. So so I say, okay, now explain it to me. And and usually I record that. And we can use that to go back because then they start to use their own words to explain the story, explain, you know, what, what's the dream client seeing or what are they feeling or what are their concerns, what are their pains and gains. And and that to me is really powerful because that kind of translates what's inside them and what they know about their dream client and immediately puts together that that profile very quickly. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. I know for me, what I tell my clients, it's like, don't make it messy. Like, don't worry about wordsmithing this. That's kind of my job when I'm working with someone is to help mm. you to wordsmith it with you. Your job is just like, get it out, just better out than in, just get it out of your head. So whether that's drawing or writing, yeah. I think there's, it's just bypassing that editing feature that we have. Mm, the filter, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, how do how do your clients typically then take that? So they've built that three word rebellion. How do they take that and use that? What what are the um, what are some examples of how they use that? And and also you talked about um, building out the marketing message from there. So what's the, what are the next steps as well? Yeah. So when I'm finished working with someone, what they get is their brand message guide, which is, you know, that audience empathy work. It's their three word rebellion. It's their client journey. It's signature storytelling. So it's all the raw ingredients. And then I create a plan for them of like, how do you implement it? And so a lot of my clients are also podcasters. So their three word rebellion becomes their podcast title. And mm -hmm. one of my clients, Michelle Evans, she she had the marketing funnel show as her podcast title. No one wants to listen to that. <laughs> and then we changed it to her three word rebellion, which was profit without worry. And all of a sudden, like her downloads quadrupled because yeah, I want to profit without worry. Mm. I'm going to listen to this podcast and find out how to do that. So it becomes like your pot, like, a custom hashtag, podcast title, book titles, speech titles, program titles. It really takes the, it, you know, makes naming stuff less complicated. Yeah. But then it's thinking about like, okay, what in my copy now needs to change? Like I have this new client journey. How do I redo my copy so that is more specific to that person? It's based on this journey that we created and the shifts they need to you know, go through. So we talk about like the copywriting. Usually I'll have my clients commit to like one core piece of content, whether that's podcasting or a blog or video, I don't care, but just one. And then one social media, like if, if social media is their jam, some of them are like, no, I don't want to do social media. I want to like network and speak at masterminds and stuff. I'm like, mm. okay, go, you can go do that too. So, but just one, because we try like, we don't need to be everywhere. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and so all of their content then comes out of that client journey. So figuring out like, how do you craft a social media post around like one little bullet point of your client journey to get people's attention and to start making them think. So that's kind of the work that I take them through. So it's all, it's a very custom strategy for implementing really based on what their goals are and what their needs are. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I loved, um, well, first of all, profit without worry. That's brilliant because there's a promise in that, isn't there? It's not, it's not just a clear, this is what we're about. It's kind of, there's the promise straight away. So I really love that title. That's brilliant. I know, it's and, one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the, your way of developing the strategy and, and each post and so on, in in a sense, you're, what you're doing is saying, okay, what what's the customer journey and what's the step of the journey that they're taking by reading this article or watching this video or listening to this podcast? And it's like, what's there before and what's there after, which is, um, you know, I, I think that's really a core 
element. For me, it's a core element of ethical marketing and human marketing. So I really love that part. Yeah. And I think it's important to think about like, yeah, what is this post doing? Is this post gathering my people in? Is this post helping them diagnose the problem? Is this post making an offer? Like, what is the purpose of this? And how, like, yeah, what is that before and after? And we do not spend enough time thinking about that. as Like, what I notice is most marketers are like random acts of marketing, just throw spaghetti against the wall and see what happens. And maybe somebody will pay attention to you. And that's, not very strategic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's um, and it's not very efficient either. So a lot of people um, do that, and they do a lot of activity that um, for very little gain. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, random acts of marketing. I like it. That's another three-word rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it could definitely be the villain to a good three-word yeah, rebellion yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Like, stop random acts of marketing. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been fabulous, uh, Michelle. I could continue talking marketing with you for ages, but I'm just aware of the time and want to be respectful of your time. So I think it's a good point now when we've got into into some really nice three-word summaries there, particularly the profit without worry that I really like that one. Um, So I think it's a good time now, though, to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience. So Mm -hmm. I've got five questions. Hopefully you'll give us some answers that'll inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. Cool. You ready? (laughs) Um, what, What do you think the number one thing is anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Do something different in your day. We're such creatures of habit and routine. Like, take a new Mm. path, try something new. Like I have terrible handwriting. And so I'm trying to learn hand lettering, like just because it challenges my brain in a different way. So just try something new. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And and also it's, it's about, um, that sort of comes back to one of my core values. It's about growth and learning something, isn't it? So even, even if it's just uh, if you're not serious about um, studying it as a craft, just experimenting with it, um, actually expand your horizons. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Now, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Space, time. Like even I think back of creating a three-word rebellion and that was a process. Like it was a process of knowing like, ooh, I think I'm having this idea. I don't know what it is yet. Like letting the chaos hmm. of it, letting it sit, thinking about it, journaling about it, but just giving it a lot of space so that it can percolate and come through. Mm. Yeah, I like the creating ideas as a process. I love that. Yeah. And it's I've, I've had conversations with people that focus on their business or they're about helping other people have great ideas and how you do that. And, and they're all, their philosophy is it's a process. It's not a... It's not a talent that you're born with. It's a skill that you can learn and it's a process. Yes, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Love it. All right. Now, you mentioned a journal. What's your favorite resource that you use most often? Oh, my favorite resource right now, because I'm exploring my writing more, I love this website. It's called 750 Words. And so every day you log in and the challenge is just to write 750 words. Like it doesn't even have to be good. Like some days I log in and literally I start writing. I have no idea what to write about today. I have no idea what to write about today. And eventually something comes or I write about like, oh, my lower back really hurts today. I wonder what's up with that. Maybe we need it. Like, like it can be random. And then sometimes there's some brilliance mm. that comes out of that. So I really like 750words.com for just kind of just getting in the habit of writing and creating. Hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I. I'm just trying to think of one that somebody recently shared with me um, and I've forgotten the name of it. It's it's one that actually erases after a certain time it erases. So there's a time limit. So it's a scarcity thing. Um, so you, you have to keep typing. And if you stop typing for a certain amount of time, it erases what you've written. So you're under real pressure just to continue to write. And 
brain dump. And then there's another one which is really cool, which is not writing, it's um, recording. So you record your voice while you're walking. And, and the whole idea there was the walking was key to hmm. getting those thoughts to bubble up from the unconscious as well. Oh, I love and, that. Yes. Talked totally. into it. Mm. So there's lots of great things. So 750 words, all right? We'll link to that one as well. Okay, now the best way to keep a client on track. Regular check-ins and seeing what's going well and what they need help with. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. Keep it simple, right? Communication, yes, communication. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, and what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Get a three-word rebellion. I mean, seriously, your messaging <laughs> is the way we differentiate ourselves because there are so many people who, you know, do what I do, but there's only one person who can do a three-word rebellion. There are so many marketers out mm. there, copywriters, you know, so we use our words to differentiate ourselves. So thinking carefully about that and what you want to be known for. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. and. We've talked at length about that today, so there's plenty there to reflect back on. All right. Well, thanks, Michelle. This has been fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you, listen into your podcast, uh, find out about not just the Three Word Rebellion book, but your other books as well, and uh, maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what you've shared today? Yeah, the best place they can go to is my website. So that's drmichellemazur.com. There's a link to my podcast and the podcast Rebel Uprising is available on all the major platforms that you can think of. <laughs> so you can find it there. And the best place to say hello to me is Instagram is my one main social media squeeze. So I'm at Dr. Michelle Mazur on Instagram. And if you just want to slide into my DMs and say hello and that you heard me on the show, I would love that. I'd love to hear what you took away from this conversation. Wonderful. All right. We'll have uh, links to those in the show notes, of course. Um, now, Michelle, what parting advice would you like to leave our listener with today? Ooh, this is such a good question. Words matter. Like how you speak about what you do, it matters. It matters to your potential client. It's how they're going to connect with you. And your message is really like one of the hardest working employees in your business. It is there 24 seven a day. When somebody lands on your website at midnight, it's your message that makes them stick around and click around. So always remember that your words matter and it's worth putting the effort in to make sure that they're remembered and that they resonate so that you can serve more people. Mm, yeah, I love it. Great. So words matter and uh, make sure that the messaging is is actually serving your audience, but really clear in terms of what your intent is as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hmm. All right. Well, finally, Michelle, who else should I get on this podcast and why? Well, I think you should interview my friend, Michelle Evans with Profit Without Worry. I think you guys would have a great yeah. conversation about that. Hmm. Yes, I was thinking that um, she would be a wonderful guest as you were talking about what she does and and also the fact that I think that message is so, that three-word um, title is so good in terms of making the promise really clear and it's, it's kind of suggests pretty clearly what she does. Mm -hmm. And it also, she has a really great backstory for like why that message is so important for her and her business as well. So it's, it's so perfect for her. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, we'll get an introduction to Michelle from you and reach out to her as well to bring her on the show. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights so generously today, Michelle. I've really enjoyed this and learned a lot. There's been lots of um, new ideas around communication that I've got. And we've obviously got lots in common in terms of our philosophy around marketing and and service-based marketing, ethical marketing, making it human again. Yeah. So thanks for sharing all of that with us. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. All the best for the future and let's stay in touch.
I hope you enjoyed that insightful and really engaging conversation with Michelle and took something away from her episode. My takeaway is that words really do matter and that communication can change the world. Good communication can facilitate positive change. Now I'd love to know what you took away from Michelle's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Michelle Mazur. That is M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-A-Z-U-R. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Michelle Mazur. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Michelle as well as links to the Communication Rebel website the Rebel Uprising podcast, her book, The Three Word Rebellion, her social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you liked this episode, please do share it with two other people that it might help. Remember, communication can change the world. And if we share this information, this valuable information with those people who it would help, it can change the world for the better. Now, tag me in that share so that I can reach out to you with a special surprise thank you gift. Michelle suggested that we have a conversation with another Michelle, Michelle Evans of Profit Without Worry on a future Innova Buzz podcast episode. Profit Without Worry, such a brilliant three-word tagline. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Michelle, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast, courtesy of Michelle Mazur. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast, where we've got more fantastic guests lined up, including international profile and communications specialist Alan Stevens and Elizabeth Pampalone of Absolute Marketing. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.